So, Lauren, let's think back to season one of our podcast. That was so long ago. <laughs> there was, there was. I remember one one character in particular, one fan favorite character that you just didn't care for. Who was that character? Oh no! Are we going to talk about Seahawk today? Lauren, <laughs> we're going to talk about Seahawk today. everybody welcome back to Shira progressive of power once again i am eric and i'm lauren and we are here bright and early on a saturday morning in the cards against humanity studio recording in between renato mariotti and an improvised podcast about the performers hometowns uh so it is a jam-packed day here so we're gonna lightning race through this episode uh, but we have a very special guest on the line today that we uh, originally he was going to fly out from New York City to be on our show. And then I think everyone realized, like, that's a big commitment for a silly podcast. Yeah. Eric just kept updating me about that prospect. And I went, sure. OK, would love to. But uh. let me let me set him up real quick. So this gentleman, uh, when all the New York Comic Con stuff was happening with Shira, he tagged Lauren and I on Instagram, which, as I've said, is the best way to reach us because we don't check our actual email. Um, with a really lovely story about what He-Man and She-Ra meant to him as a kid and discovering our podcast. And I don't want to make us a central part of the story because we're not, but I think we're a nice incidental part. And so uh, please, everybody, welcome for the first time ever through Skype, Ryan Ferguson to the show. Hooray. <laughs> hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming. And by the first uh -huh. time, we don't just mean it's Ryan's first time on the show. It's our first time using Skype for anything. <laughs> yes, literally anything. I don't even know what Skype is. <laughs> Ryan, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. I, I, I don't want to tell your story because it's your story, but would you mind sharing a version of what you put on Instagram that you tagged Lauren and I in? Uh, sure, yeah. Uh, growing up, um, like my oldest brother, he's 10 years older than me. Uh, he was a big He-Man fan, so he int introduced me to, I remember him, uh, He-Man gave, uh, gave me Castle Skull once <laughs> in our basement. I didn't know it was there. And um, ever since then, I found She-Ra uh, soon after and fell in love. You know, the secret of the sword. So good. Um, and yeah, I don't know. It's just growing up, I'm growing up gay. It's also been like, it was, was one of the things I was kind of afraid to share with friends, as silly as that may sound now in adulthood, um, that I love She-Ra. <laughs> it doesn't sound silly at all, by the way. <laughs> what was it that made you gravitate towards She-Ra? You know, I've, I've actually asked my mother that uh, a few years ago, because um, growing up, like, in addition to Shira, like, I always just love female heroines. And I, I remember asking her female heroes, excuse me. <laughs> and she's like, you actually came up to me when you told me when you were a kid and you said, I like them. They're just I like them more. They're just kinder. And like, I burst out laughing when she told me because it's so cheesy. I don't even know how old I was, but <laughs> I don't know why. I've just always loved like, like Xena, Shira, the Pink Power Ranger, Buffy, like, any any fandom, I always preferred the female, um, but she was always my my number one, my true love. <laughs> so you were you were pretty stoked when uh, when Shira came back. Uh, it's fair to say, right? Oh my god, I, I couldn't believe it. One of my I think my other brother told me, and I was in disbelief. But uh, it's you know, and as you said, I was at, at Comic Con, and so so much better than I could have ever imagined. We got to see clips and stuff, and yeah, super pumped. Oh my gosh! Well, we're really excited to have you here today. You've been one of like, well, I don't, I don't like to judge, but you've been one of the coolest people to reach out to Lauren and I, and we've developed a bit of an internet friendship, and it's such a joy to get to talk to you. <laughs> oh, thanks. 
the same way. Oh, man. Thank you so much. Um, <laughs> so we're talking about the episode of The Seagate today. I think we can probably slip in a, um, what do you call it, a recap in post. So I let, we don't need to do that in the studio. Uh, or I'll just like read the Netflix text verbatim in post-production. <clears throat> the squad heads for the water realm of Selenius, ruled by Princess Mermista. But first, they need a ship. Catra set sail with Force Captain Scorpia. But, uh, yeah, I'm glad you're here for this episode, Ryan, because as Lauren set up in the introduction, um, <laughs> she is not a fan of Seahawk or this episode. She loves She loves him. She loves him. Just, just my favorite guy. So... <laughs> Maybe let's dig in with that. I hate to lead with the negative, but I think they'll end up being a lot more positive. So, Lauren, what is it about Seahawk that across permutations you just don't like? Uh, well, for one, I feel in the 80s version, Seahawk as a symbol really tried to force a heteronormative love story mm. in a show and a heroine that I don't feel really needed one. And so mm -hmm. I always sort of resented that. And then this episode came along and I figured, oh, they're not going to do that. This is going to be better. And they didn't do that. But I found this version of Seahawk uh, kind of difficult for me to understand. Namely, I can't tell if he's a scam artist or not. I can't tell if he's incompetent or not. Um, he has this this kind of shrouded past where he used to have a crew and he used to have a lot of adventures but he's charging this huge fee and he's got this huge reputation but it's only supposedly and everyone is better than him at sailing and I can't tell what I can't tell what they're trying to do with him I can't tell if if he's actually a, a brave and misunderstood and competent hero or if he actually sucks and is just talking his way through <laughs> Also, his songs aren't very good, oh. I will say. Oh, oh I know, I'm terrible. <laughs> so I had my hopes really high because I'm a huge Adventure Time fan. Uh, and I, I just was like, there's going to be so much good music in this show. And we finally got to an episode that was going to be musical and sort of like the theme song discussions we've been having. I was just kind of left wanting. <laughs> it's not hatred. It's not active negativity. I was, I'm was, i just so bored by Seahawk. You're nonplussed by this episode, yeah. essentially. So other people who love it can now take it away because I am indifferent. <laughs> Well, yeah. So let let Ryan. What uh, what's your feeling both on classic Seahawk and on on new Seahawk? For sure. Yeah. No. I I totally agree with Lauren about the heteronormativity of you know the original Seahawk. Um, that's what 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 struck me about the new guy. I think I think he's great. I, I disagree, but um, I don't know. I think he they they they're, I think they're totally aware of that. Um, like the things that he does, like his ineptitude, is clear. All three of them, Bo, Adora, and Glimmer, are better at, they're like, how do you, how, how are you, how do you know how to do this? This is better than I can do. And, um, I think they, they play up to that really well. Um, and, uh, the fact that there is this like play with gender. And I feel like it's so important that Adora puts him in his place. Glimmer puts him in his place. Mermista certainly puts him in his place in multiple, uh, moments. And, um, I think they're playing to that, speaking to the original really well. And like, it's almost like they heard Lauren, you know? <laughs> no, I, I agree with that. Um, I feel like the, this Seahawk is kind of a parody of hypermasculinity. Um, but he also strikes me as very kind of flamboyant. I think some of the Instagram culture around him has called him like a Freddie Mercury type character. Do you yes. guys have any thoughts on that? 
Yeah, no, definitely. I, I, <laughs> this is one of my favorite episodes partially because of his interactions with Bo. I mean, Bo is like either fanboying over him or truly has a crush on him. I mean, the, I think he, he blushes at least three or four times. Um, but yeah, I love that they're playing with gender. I think he, when he, at one point when they meet Mermista, he kind of leans on the edge of her throne and he crosses his legs. Yeah. Um, in a later episode, she catches him. Like they're doing that really well. And he's kind of not the hero. Like he was in the beginning, you know, in the, in the original, it was like, oh, you know, this is the one man that, well, besides maybe he man in certain scenarios that, she, you know, Shira needs to rescue her. And now it's like, no, it's like, we got this Seahawk, you know, um, you can stand there and look pretty and Bo will, Bo will blush at you. But, um, but I think there is some real depth to him and he does in, in two moments in this episode, he does show his vulnerability. And I think that is so nice and refreshing as compared to the original. Yeah. When Lauren has, you had the point about, um, you know, what was his past life like that? Everyone just thought he was charming. And I feel like metaphorically, uh, the Seahawk that we that exists before this episode comes from the same place as the Shira from last week's episode. It's just kind of like, yeah, the classic series this time when adventure was very straightforward and like hyper masculine and very action oriented and, and I don't know, not not very thoughtful. And now things are different and he's struggling to fit in. Sure. I, I think that actually strikes a chord with me and how I feel about Seahawk. I have to say something negative before I can come back around, and that is <laughs> the whole he sets his ships on fire thing. It struck it. <laughs> you. I respect your opinion, <laughs> but the, it reminded me of um, early internet culture or like early internet humor, where like you said something so random, like "oh, random is funny," and oh. stringing to get just like something random must be hilarious, but. Uh, if what what you're saying right now is is pulling my point of view on that because maybe you're right it's you know fire and explosions was impressive because it's hyper masculine and the people in this new world aren't impressed by that and so maybe it's actually kind of okay that I'm not amused by his <laughs> sense of humor because the lesson he's learning is he's got to be elevated and there's there's more to this version of Seahawk and this version of Shira than just explosions. I, I have to side with Ryan on this one. Like I I actually find that very very funny. I thought this episode was one of the funniest we've seen so far. And I similarly to you, Lauren, I am very sensitive to like random OMG. Like I don't find that funny at all. <laughs> but I thought this was a very kind of um, directed. A uh, bit of humor like critiquing that yeah masculine culture of like of course I set it on fire and then that uh, ends up helping the rebellion oh and and the fact that he is not he doesn't think twice about it he just loves to do it and everyone loves that he does it <laughs> it it's I don't know I, I think it we're learning charming. we're learning more about me than Seahawk when my opinion is is known because the ship on fire thing I'm just like that's such valuable resources like that's, it had to be so expensive that's your transportation what are you doing there's just a different a different energy that i would bring to the princess alliance and it's it's not, not one where we're burning our ships <laughs> fair i mean maybe the, it is a lot of like 
uh, macho posturing, but there is so much physical comedy in Seahawk as well. Like Ryan mentioned the leg crossing. Um, so much of that introductory scene is straight out of A New Hope with Han Solo. Yes. Um, I love that he reaches into his shirt triangle at his midriff to pull out the, his like bill to glimmer. I don't know if either of you guys noticed that, but it's not even the V. It's the triangle under the V where he has a piece of paper with his fee written on it. I love that he says he's offer only because if anyone out there listens to Comedy Bang Bang, that's a phrase that Scott Ackerman likes to use joking about Hollywood, that he's so famous he's offer only. Uh, so that struck me as a very like insider kind of L.A. joke. I don't remember the character's name because I saw it on Twitter weeks and weeks ago. But in the beginning of that scene, there is a like a background character who's basically a, a pink elephant trunk and shadows. Uh-huh. That's a fan favorite. People loved him when that episode first uh, hit Netflix. And did you guys kind of think the bartender looked like Huntara? Oh, I didn't <laughs> she catch that. Did, yeah. I could see it, though. Yeah. Speaking of uh, old She-Ra, this episode opens with a shot of a huge mural in Angela's castle. And we mm. can see uh, members of the old Princess Alliance, including uh, some of the kings. And yeah. we, we, see, Micah. we see Castaspella before she's even in the show. But there's some stuff you can... Uh, hypothesize over as well like uh the star sisters might be up on that wall it's pretty cool so if you watch this episode again pause it right at the beginning and look at the mural before the camera pans down i completely missed that Ooh. you know it's funny that you mentioned that i, I think i did pause it in one of my uh watch throughs and i think you can even see uh natasa and spinnerella i think they were in the original yeah each one um, of them is sort of holding a symbol and uh spinnerella is holding a spider web I mean, sorry, no. <laughs> Natasa is holding a spider web. Spinnerella is holding like a spinny swirl. And there are a couple of symbols, like there's one mm. person holding a diamond with a cross in it. And it just made me go, what is that? Like, who, who <laughs> is that? I can't wait. Oh, I am Seahawk. I am, I am. If you're looking for adventure, then I am your man. If you want to ride on the waves of deepest blue through perilous winds, then I got you. Some say I'm a hero, some say I'm a man. What I know for sure is I'm Seahawk. I am, I am. <laughs> Maybe now I'll take the Lauren role in this episode. No offense, Lauren. Because <laughs> okay. there's a couple other characters introduced in this one. Uh, the, the star of the episode is Mermista. And I am not sure how I feel about Mermista, which is upsetting to me because i love vela lovell as does lauren in yes. fact when we both referred to having a crush on the same member of the cast it is her that's who we were talking about but i almost feel and i'm, <laughs> I'm happy to be talked out of this by both of you i almost feel that mermista is a little too close to vela's crazy ex-girlfriend character of like i'm over everything and i understand <laughs> that for diversity of viewpoints it probably helps for like youth to see that reflected uh, to see a character who's a little dispassionate outwardly, but still cares and is still working to help people. It maybe was a little too much for me. I felt that way truly the first time I watched this episode. Uh, but having seen the entire series and now watched mm. this episode again, I'm coming around to Mermista because I think in a way that many young women often feel they must, she's putting on a character. I think she's kind of doing the dismissive teenager thing, 
But when she actually talks about the experiences of her life, you can tell there's more beneath it. So when Seahawk enters her throne room and the question is raised, like, why aren't you happy to see me? She's talking about these moments about like they were at a... The, uh, the dolphin gala? No, what was it? Like the tunnel of love at yeah, one point. Yeah, the tunnel point. of love. Like they had sort of a fun and intimate relationship at some point. And at the end, she goes to give Seahawk a ship. And oh Seahawk my God, has I love this moment. Yeah, Seahawk has this emotional, affectionate reaction. And Mermista goes, You're always ruining it. And so what I see is she knows. She knows she's putting on a front. She knows she's doing a bit. And she wants the people around her to still accept her compassion and still accept her friendship and just sort of let her do the bit she's doing. And so I liked it more second time through. That's a great read. And I think it addresses a lot of the parts that otherwise don't make a lot of sense in the script. So I appreciate you saying that. No, I think that's smart. I don't know. On some point, I feel like maybe she's not doing a bit as much as she's just not good at like showing her vulnerability, um, which perhaps maybe that's why she, as we kind of learn maybe in later episodes, spoiler alert, um, that she she kind of still likes Seahawk. um, Because in those moments, like, um, you know, in a later episode, she's they're at an event and Seahawk shows up and then she's like, hi, I'm here too. Like, don't make a big deal out of it. And I thought that was pretty great. Like, I think it's her way of like, I don't know if it's so much as she's putting on a bit as she's like, just not ready to be fully, you know, there and just show everyone who she is. Um, so she kind of does it with this like kind of, uh, uh, like curmudgeon humor, you know, that's a great point to bring up because I think the, Part of this episode I did find very touching was the scene when Seahawk is about to leave and Glimmer goes to stop him and they basically find common ground in the idea that they don't always feel like they fit in. They don't always feel understood. And when they're surrounded by people who seem more powerful or competent than them, they Mm -hmm. feel underestimated and sometimes they'd rather just run away. And they, they find companionship in each other and they decide they're going to stay and fight together because they believe in each other even if they don't believe in themselves and maybe what we're saying is you know in a way Mermista needs that too and Mm -hmm. the group seems surprised when Mermista joins the Princess Alliance at the end yeah (laughs) I think I think that means Ryan that you're dead on deep down she is looking to be vulnerable and she is looking for more intimate relationships and these people are going to give that to her well, and, and kind of her big emotional crux of the episode, although they don't spend a super lot of time on it, but there's the line in there. She says, like, why mm. should I help Bright Moon? They've never helped me. And that mm. feels like something that definitely people who are somewhat, I don't know if damaged is the right word, but people who are hurt, say, you know, is like, well, no one's looked out for me before, but clearly she does care about people. And yeah, maybe the whole season has a little bit of a mini arc of her coming to embrace that she does need other people and she can be vulnerable with them. No, I, I, I definitely agree with that. And I think, I think, uh, that scene with, with, uh, Seahawk and Glimmer is like a catalyst, uh, for making that happen. Um, I love when he's like, like, you know, he, he says, uh, I think it's time for Seahawk to go back where he belongs like alone. And then Glimmer's, you know, 
uh, trying to console him. And she's saying, try being the daughter of an immortal queen when your powers are sparkles. Like, I thought that was amazing. And he's like, oh, glitter. And it's just like, <laughs> that's another thing. I love that he kept mess- getting her name wrong. Like, calls her sparkles. He calls her, sh- of course, shimmer. Sh- yeah, um, shimmer. Twinkle. And then I think Mermista calls her the wrong name as well at one point. It's true. I also do appreciate, uh, speaking of both Seahawk and Mermista, that this is, I believe, the fir- the show's first like um, kind of heterosexual play uh, is coupling yes. these two, but it's with at least one character who also has a very kind of playful scenes with like people of the same gender, uh, you know, Seahawk and Bo. They oh both God, do. It. They both do though, because I caught a moment <laughs> this episode where uh, Katra has Shira pinned. Mermista and Bo come and save her, and Shira looks at Mermista and says, "Thanks." And Mermista blushes <laughs> yes. then too. Oh, she does. Everybody likes everybody. I love it. <laughs> it's so cool. Yeah, it really like like we talked about in a prior episode. It it's not like representation is a big political point in this show because it's such a given that like basically yeah you can be attracted to anybody. It doesn't matter what how you you know biologically identify. Just go nuts. Don't settle for me. What? Come on, dude, don't settle for me. Trust me, I know, guys, and that look in your eyes means you're in love. Love? Who are you all of a sudden? Shut up and listen to my wise reprise. We should talk about the other new character who's introduced in this episode. We don't get a lot. Scorpia. Oh my god, I love it. I love Scorpia. Scorpia is the favorite character of one of my best friends, Jess. Uh, hello, Jess. It's time to talk about your homegirl. I love it. I love their introduction. And when she's like, Kitty, just so you know, I'm a hugger. Like, amazing. Perfect, like, antithesis of the original uh, Scorpia. And I, I didn't realize the first time I watched this that, like, Shadow Weaver has approved of this pairing. It's almost, like, I wonder if she's just <laughs> twisting the knife on Catra a little bit. Oh, I think so. Right? Yeah. I've made this point on an earlier episode, but Scorpia is the embodiment of it. There are kind people and maybe even mm. good people on the side of the Horde. And I love that component of this series because we're seeing that all around us in today's politics, the the family members we disagree with, or even, you know, the people in the Mueller investigation who now appear to be telling the truth because their humanity is more important than politics. There are good people on the bad side. And yeah, I mean, light spoilers, but we learn later that Scorpia is a princess and that probably the reason she is with the Horde is because for whatever reason, the other princesses never really accepted her or her people. And I mean, it does seem like she has parent issues too, which we can talk about later. Or rather, her parents have issues. But um, <laughs> yeah, I I find Scorpia very charming and I think she's such a nice salve and a nice counterpoint to... Uh, to Catra and to the rest of the Horde. I hadn't really thought about it until this moment, but she is the perfect introduction into this episode if the overall theme is 
finding your new sort of discovered family or chosen mm. family where you belong. So Seahawk finds the Rebellion and Mermista finds the Princess Alliance, but Scorpia has found the Horde. In a way that's much more organic than like later characters who make the switch, like next week's princess. Yeah. Scorpia, <laughs> it's, I don't know that she it has any delusions about who the Horde is. I think she is just like, oh, this is, these are people who like me and I can do good work here. And that's like as far as her thought process goes. I would, if uh, you're willing to share, Ryan, I'd like to go a little bit back into your story. The Instagram post you sent us talked about uh, you coming out at age 11 and finding, you know, even at New York Comic Con, like a room full of people who love the same thing you do. Uh, could Would you talk to us a little bit more about in adulthood, like finding your tribe? For sure. Yeah, no, I think it's... Um... And I, I, I appreciate your analysis. I agree um, uh, about the characters, and I, I, I think that's a, such a common thing in the uh, LGBT community is, you know, finding your your you know your chosen family. And not that I'm, I mean, <laughs> I'm still in my biological family, but yeah, it was like certainly growing up, uh, that was tough. Like I, you know, was aware or and or brave enough, like at 11, to come out to my parents, and then to sort of be like. Um, you know, like at one point my dad, like he, for months, he never, like I knew he, my mother had told him and he never brought it up. Um, and then she was out one day. So I, I brought it up with him and he was like, you know, it's a sin. It's unnatural. Where did I go wrong? You know, what's his, his quest, you know, his like his question to me, which is like oh, hurtful no. and hilarious at the same time. Um, but yeah, no, I think, and also it kind of makes me think of Seahawk and, you know, this whole episode about toxic masculinity and, um, anyway, but no, I think definitely it's just been speaking to even like Mermista and Scorpia's journeys and Seahawks, like Glimmers even. Pretty much every character on this show coming to accept yourself. I think that's the most important thing in life. And it's just, um, you know, yeah, like I found my, my, my friends and, uh, in, in my acapella group and UCB comedy. Um, I do improv now and like, you know, just finding those people who, love you for who you are with no like conditions. I think it's so important. Um, and I think that's what this show really, the show is really made as you were saying, like for everyone. And I think, um, Noel, like, you know, one of her quotes is that she wants, she wants everyone to be able to see themselves in the show. So that is a beautiful point. And I guess I'd like to end by asking you guys who, which character in the show do you see yourself the most as I was thinking about that. And I don't know that I have a great answer. Oh, I do not have an answer. <laughs> I my my favorite character and I project myself onto her a lot is is Angela. Um Angela being an immortal queen and sort of dealing with uh loss in her life. Uh in my current life situation, I've I've dealt with some some old trauma and some new loss and her sort of resilience to I still have a job, I still have a family, I still have to keep going really touches and affects me. But I also like don't know what it's like to be a mother. So she's not a perfect match. I don't think any character is a perfect match though. I see, you know, a little bit of Katra, I see a little bit of Adora, I see a little bit of a lot of characters, but maybe that's the point is you get to be everybody in this one. Yeah, I took a BuzzFeed quiz and it gave me Adora. <laughs> uh, I, I think similar to you, Lauren, I my answer is more projective. 
that I would like to be Bo, and I think in my best moments I, I am Bo, but you know, we're not all our best selves, and I probably have parts of like Shadow Weaver in me as well. Um, <laughs> that said, I don't know. I mean, we're also all a little older than the target audience, and we've all, you know, gone to therapy or had decades to deal with traumas and issues that maybe, you know, people in their teens haven't. And so maybe one of these characters going through this journey more directly speaks to them. And, and I think that's lovely. No, I, I agree. And <laughs> I think, I think we're the same as, as much as I would love to be Bo. I also took the quiz and I got Adora. Um, <laughs> oh my and God. one thing I kind of want to mention though, in this episode, which is I think partially why I relate to her, you know, in addition to her obvious journey to, you know, sort of find her own family and come to terms with, with, you know, sort of being out on her own, um, in, in some ways, um, I, I love that she keeps getting distracted by Catra. It's like she just like hops on your sword and you're like, oh, hey, Catra, what's up? And like in a later episode, she also gets distracted in Catra during like a very, uh, you know, dangerous moment. And, you know, that kind of I kind of relate to her. It's like, you know, being distracted by ex-boyfriends or people who don't like deserve your time, um, <laughs> you know, because they've done bad things to you. And I think that's something that's so great that we get to see her journey throughout the season. Gosh, that's a, a lovely point. And it makes me realize I probably also am more like Adora. And I literally yeah. wrote in my notes how beautifully like uh, um, staged that scene is that, yeah, Catra is perched on her sword and then is like <laughs> cutting at She-Ra and she's trying to block the cuts while like maintaining her pose of repairing the wall. It's, it's really lovely. Like it's such yeah. a good scene. And it, I think it says a lot about She-Ra's stoic nature there that she's just like letting Catra at her and maintaining her composure. We may have answered this already, but I think it would be a good point to end on. Uh, Ryan, imagine this show being shown to 11-year-old you or 11-year-old someone like you. We're all grown-ups, as Eric says, but what do you think the new Shira will be for them? <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah, even as you asked that, like, I got tears in my eyes. Um, I think it's it's so beautiful. Um, I think everyone, as Noel kind of hoped for, I think everyone can see themselves in this. Like, you know, no matter what race you are, no matter what, you know, um, you know, body type you have, even, uh, sexual orientation, uh, age, uh, I think everyone find, can find themselves or find even a single character, uh, that, that they can relate to on maybe more than one level. Uh, and I think that's so unique and so powerful. And if, if that's the best thing that this show accomplishes, which I think is amazing, I don't know why I said it that way. Um, you know, I think it's it's wonderful and it's doing such a it's honoring honoring the original, but doing so much more than the original could have, you know, during its time. So that was yeah. awesome and such a killer question. Way to go, Lauren. Um, thank you. We have about three minutes. So, I, Ryan, I want to thank you so much. Oh, thank um, you so much. I, I think we should probably have you back on. Right. Since this was so abridged, I think because you want to talk about one of the episodes at the end of the season, too. I bet we can make that happen now that we know how to <laughs> Skype in here. Also, you, like, yeah, thanks for like reaching out to us. It always touches us when fans do, as we've said. But your story literally made me get a little misty and probably the same for Lauren. I just appreciate. Yeah, that vulnerability, right? Like, I like people being vulnerable because fuck toxic masculinity. We don't need that shit. We oh, have had several guests uh, who started out as fans of the show 
And uh, I don't know how sustainable that is as a practice for us to keep doing, but it's it's an, a huge honor and a huge privilege to be able to do it when we can. I do think in one of the next episodes, I'd like to gather sort of a mailbag of sorts and gather up some of the tweets and some of the emails we've gotten and maybe we can answer them on the air. So for those of you who we can't bring on the show like we just did with Ryan, you'll still you'll still hear from us. I also want to profusely thank our impromptu engineer, Logan Dean. Uh, Logan runs a great podcast also on the Nerdalog site uh, called Low, a 5e adventure. It is um, a D&D actual play podcast, but it's set in like a very kind of synth punky world complete with uh, a synthesized score that is amazing. And uh, I really appreciate Logan's efforts to make Skype work for us. Um, I don't know what else. Ryan, do you have anything you want to plug? <laughs> Your no, UCB I just, classes? <laughs> <laughs> no, I just, I love, I love the ending quote when Mermista, after she gives, uh, you know, Seahawk the, the new, the new ship and she's trying to, uh, they're trying to get her to join the princess alliance. She's like, okay, I'm in like, you know, and as Lauren said, she talks about how the Hordomes destroyed her family, but then she's like, plus your friend is your friend, your friend can turn into an like eight foot tall lady with a sword and her, and I want her on my side. And I was like, yeah, Hell of course yeah. you do more stuff. We all want her <laughs> on our side. Thanks for listening to she progressive of power. If you like our show, you can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. We super appreciate it. You can also send in any feedback you have to our email address, progressiveofpower at gmail.com, or to our Facebook page at facebook.com backslash progressiveofpower. <laughs>